And as you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 5. We are continuing in our sermon series titled Treasure Hunting. We are searching God's Word for His priceless treasures of truth for us to apply in our lives and to share with others. James told us in James chapter 1, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And God wants us to live what we learn from his word. God wants us to share what we learn from his word with others. And the reason for this is simple. God's word is best for us and for those that God places around us. And we're going to open up in Luke chapter 5. As we do, I'll set the scene just briefly. Luke 5 opens and we find Jesus at the beginning of his earthly ministry. Jesus is ministering in the Galilee area, which is in northern Israel. Jesus is preaching and teaching and healing people and casting out demons from people. And very early Early on, as he launched out and embarked on his earthly ministry, large crowds began to follow Jesus. Some were following Jesus out of curiosity. Some were following Jesus out of uh, help and healing that they hoped to receive from Jesus. Some of the people uh, in the crowds were following Jesus because of their faith in Jesus. And this is very similar to what we see today going on around us. Some people today follow Jesus out of curiosity. They'll come to church, they'll read about Jesus, they'll listen to people talk about Jesus because they're curious to see if this Jesus is really real. Uh, If this faith in Jesus really does work. They're curious about those who claim to have a relationship with Jesus and those who claim to be able to uh, speak with Jesus and through prayer, they're, they're kind of curious and so they want to find out, is this really real? Some people today follow Jesus for the help and healing they want to receive from Jesus. There's some people today who simply follow Jesus out of what they can get from Jesus. And they will go so far as to base their belief in Jesus upon whether or not he does what they are wanting him to do. Obviously, if he does what they're wanting him to, him to do, then they'll believe him. But if he doesn't do what they're wanting him to do, if he doesn't answer their prayers the way they're hoping that he will, if he doesn't give them the help and the healing that they're asking for, then they will back away from believing in Jesus and following Jesus. Still others today follow Jesus by faith in Jesus. They have received God's gift of salvation by faith in Jesus, and they are following Jesus by faith day by day. God obviously wants us to follow Jesus by faith day by day. It's our joy and privilege to follow Jesus by faith. Amen? It is a joy and privilege for us to follow Jesus step by step, day by day, by faith in Jesus. We are the light of this world, as Jesus told us. And we're to allow the light of Christ that is in us to shine through us so those around us can see Jesus and be drawn to Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 5, we find this scene unfolding, and we're going to be introduced to Peter, Simon Peter. Uh, We know Simon Peter, one of the main characters in the New Testament. He's going to be front and center, the 
protagonist other than Jesus, who is always the main character in the story. He will be the focal point that we'll look at. James and John will also be there. But in Luke chapter 5, we are going to find and identify a priceless treasure of truth that Peter shared with us here in this passage in Luke chapter 5. And so we're going to begin our hunt for this treasure in verse 1 of chapter 5. Luke writes, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. Lake Gennesaret is another name for the Sea of Galilee. So we see here early on, Luke sets the scene that crowds of people are following Jesus. Jesus is moving, he's ministering, they're following Jesus, and the crowds of people are following Jesus to the point where they are also pressing in on Jesus. That literally means that there were so many people in the crowd, and they were pressing in against one another to get to Jesus. They were pressing in on Jesus. They were crowding around Jesus to the point where Jesus was literally getting ready to be pushed into the waters of the Sea of Galilee. The crowds were so great, and they were so insistent upon getting closer to Jesus, he was getting closer and closer to actually going into the waters of the Sea of Galilee. We find out the reason why they were pressing in on Jesus was because they wanted to hear Jesus preach and teach God's word. It says right there, they were wanting to hear Jesus share God's word. This is a great reminder to pastors and Bible teachers today that we are to preach and teach God's word. It's good enough for Jesus. It's certainly good enough for us today. We're to preach and teach God's word. The truth of the matter is God's word is what we need to preach, teach, hear, and obey. It's what we need to understand. It's what we need to memorize. It's what we need to live out in our day-to-day lives. And so we begin to see this scene unfolding. He continues in verse 2. He saw two boats, he being Jesus, at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So Jesus is assessing the scene. He sees the crowds and he notices there along the shore of the Sea of Galilee uh, that there are a couple of boats. And we know that one of the boats is Peter's boat, belongs to Simon Peter. The other boat belongs to James and John. We find this out later on uh, as Luke confirms this for us in verse 10. So there's two boats, Peter's boat and James and John's boat. They're uh, right along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And those two guys, uh, or those three guys rather, James and John and then Peter as well, we find out that these guys, these fishermen, they're over and they're washing their nets. They're washing their fishing nets, which was a necessity in this time for fishermen. After fishing, after going out with their nets, they had to come in and they had to wash their nets immediately. They had to clean their nets, wash their nets so that their nets would not get brittle and break apart. And so they could make sure that all the debris could be cleared from their nets, which they would have used and caught as they were casting their nets, as they were letting their nets down. So they had to make sure that all the nets were free and clear of the debris that comes along with fishing uh, so that they would be ready for the next opportunity to go out and to attempt to catch fish. I think it's interesting, we won't stay long on this point, but it is interesting to note that the crowds of people were focused on Jesus and Peter, James, and John were focused on their nets. The crowds of people were focused on Jesus, trying to get to him, and yet Peter, James, and John at this point were focused on their nets, highlighting for us 
the reality that we deal with on a day-by-day basis, which is it is easy at times for us to get distracted from Jesus. It's very easy for us to get focused on our nets, to get focused on our jobs, to get focused on our stuff, and be completely distracted from what Jesus is doing in and around and through our lives. Luke continues, and he says in verse 3, he got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. So we see Jesus assessing the situation, realizing that the crowds were uh, becoming massive, that it wasn't going to be feasible for him to stand there and teach and preach because he was getting ready to be shoved in the water. He noticed the two boats and he said, hey, uh, Peter, I want to get in your boat and uh, push out a little bit from land. Jesus realized the situation and he used a boat for his pulpit to teach and preach to people, the crowds, uh, from a more advantageous perspective, where the crowds could actually sit and listen and hear him preach and teach God's word. No one understands that it was not by accident that Jesus got into Peter's boat. It was not by coincidence that Jesus got into Peter's boat. Jesus knew the plans that he had for Simon Peter. He knew that Simon Peter was going to become one of the leaders of the disciples, one of the three that Jesus spent specific time discipling. Uh, he was going going to also be one of the key leaders, one of the main leaders of the first church in Jerusalem later on after Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, after he died on the cross and rose again. We know that Peter was going to be one of the leaders of the first church in Jerusalem. He was going to be one of the key leaders in regards to the spread and the development of the church of Jesus Christ. And so we see Jesus at the beginning of his earthly ministry. When Jesus is starting out his ministry, He makes sure he's got Simon Peter near him and he begins training and investing and discipling and mentoring Peter. Understand and realize Simon Peter had a front row seat to listen to Jesus preach and teach from his own boat. Jesus said, push out a little bit from land. So Peter did that and then Peter was able to just sit right there listening to Jesus preach and teach people. Then in verse 4, when he had finished speaking, that's Jesus, when Jesus had finished speaking, preaching and teaching, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. So when Jesus finished preaching and teaching, at this point in time, he gave Peter two commands. There are two commands here in verse 4. Command number one, put out into the deep water. Put out literally means to set sail, to push off, to launch out. It means to move from where you're at, Peter, which was just a little bit away from the shores, and go out into the deep water there in the Sea of Galilee. Command number two, let down your nets for a catch. Both of these were aorist commands, aorist commands, which means there was urgency with these commands. It meant that Jesus was saying, do this now, Peter. Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch now, Peter. Do this now. Don't delay. Do this now. And so we see Peter's response. Master, Simon replied, 
We've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. Look at that, the exclamation point. You've got to read that with the exclamation point in mind. You've got you to get into the scene. You've got to get into the story. You've got to understand and realize Peter's saying, man, we have fished all night long. We caught nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. Peter said, Master, first of all here in this verse, which highlights for us the love and respect Peter had for Jesus and for the authority of Jesus that Peter could already recognize. It was already obvious to Peter. Peter also said here in verse 5, the first half of verse 5, we've worked hard all night, plural, we've, which indicates that there were some other men in the boat with Peter, which we find confirmed in verse 6 when Luke says when they did this, meaning when they let down their nets. So there were some others there in the boat with Peter, other fishermen. And so we come now to this priceless treasure of truth. The priceless treasure of truth is seen here in verse 5, specifically in the second half of verse 5. Simon Peter said, Master, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. And here's the priceless treasure of truth. He said, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. But at your word, I will let down the nets. But because you said so, Jesus, I will do what you say. Because you said so, Jesus, I will obey you. Peter's response highlighted his obedience to Jesus in this passage. And we know and understand obedience is a must for us today. Obedience is a must for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus told us in John 14 and verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my command. We show God, we love God by our obedience to God. John told us this is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. And so we understand and realize how important the role of obedience is to you and me in regards to our relationship with Jesus, our faith in Jesus, and our opportunities to be used by Jesus. We must commit to obedience. You see, God wants us, much like Peter here, he wants us to respond like Peter and say, but at your word, I will obey you, God. But because you said so, God, I will do what you say say. And so as we here this morning are gathered together and we are receiving this first meal for our week this week, as we start our week off right in God's house this morning, as God is providing this first meal of truth for us this week, we need to begin immediately thinking in our own lives, in your life and in my life, in the areas that you're dealing with, in the areas that you're walking in obedience to the Lord in, what is it that God has for you this morning? Because there is something that God has for you. It relates to this area of obedience, and he's wanting you to understand that whatever area is, and his Holy Spirit will convict you of that area, he wants you to respond and say, but at your word, I will do what you say, God. Because you say so, God, I will obey you. Now, I want you to see some obstacles to our obedience. Peter overcame these obstacles to obedience. And I want you to see just three obstacles to obedience here that, that Peter faced and that we face uh, today as well as we seek to follow Jesus. The first obstacle uh, to obedience is exhaustion. It's exhaustion. Peter replied in verse 5, we've worked hard all night long. In other words, I'm physically exhausted. Jesus, 
We have worked all night long. We have let down the nets and pulled the nets up. Let down the nets and pulled the nets up. Let down the nets and pulled the nets up. Let down the nets and pulled the nets up. Let down the nets and pulled the nets up. All night long. And I am exhausted. Peter was not debating with Jesus or arguing with Jesus. He was simply sharing the facts about their night of fishing with Jesus. And we understand and realize that exhaustion and fatigue can keep us from obeying Jesus. Exhaustion and fatigue, physical exhaustion and fatigue can keep us from obeying Jesus. Physical exhaustion and fatigue can keep us from doing what God wants. Physical exhaustion and fatigue can leave us uh, in a situation where we uh, may be more prone than other times to make poor decisions. We see this in the example of Elijah in the Old Testament when he was exhausted, fatigued physically after the battle of Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, and he got so discouraged and so depressed that he said, I don't want to live anymore. Take my life, God. And so we understand and realize that, that exhaustion can keep us from obeying Jesus. For example, we know that God's word says in the book of Hebrews, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day of Jesus' return drawing near. We know God has told us in his word that the first church in Jerusalem met for church every day. Every day. We know clearly that fellowship, that Bible study, that preaching and teaching, that service, that worship, that encouragement is vitally important for us and that we're to draw near to God with one another on a regular basis. But it's easy at times for us to say, and I've heard this often, but pastor, Sunday is my only day to sleep in. Sunday is my only day for me. I mean, I work hard all week long. Sunday comes, I got to get up early because I got to go to the game, all the kids' games and activities and parties. And then I've got to spend the rest of my day Saturday. I've got to go through all the honeydew lists and I got to get everything done. And by the time Saturday night comes around, I am tired. I am worn out. I am exhausted. And so Sunday is my day. Sunday is my day to, to sleep in and, and catch up because then I got to turn right back around and get back after it again on Monday. Exhaustion, fatigue can keep us from obeying Jesus. It can skew our thinking to the point where as followers of Christ, we think that's okay. Now, praise God, everyone's here this morning. You're like, ah, great job. I'm glad I got up this morning. <laughs> Woo! Man, I looked out, and it looked cloudy, and it was windy, and I gave it a thought, but I got up. <laughs> praise God I got up. Exhaustion is an obstacle that we see here that, that Peter faced, that he faced when, when he was confronted with the command of Jesus to put out to deep water and to let down the nets. A second is frustration frustration. We see this clearly. It's, frustration is, is an obstacle that, that Peter faced. Peter uh, was a fisherman, and he spent all night fishing, and he caught nothing. Nothing means, in the Greek here, nothing means nothing. 
Not even one little guppy fish. Not even one little fish that he could use for bait to catch a bigger fish. He caught nothing. They were doing a lot of fishing, but they weren't doing any catching. And fishing all night long without catching is frustrating. And when you stop and consider, it's frustrating for us as rookies who like to go out and fish from time to time. But these guys were professional fishermen. They knew the spots on the Sea of Galilee. They knew how to catch fish. They knew where to drop their nets. They knew, if need be, what bait would be best to use to catch fish because it was their business. That's what they did. And yet, they caught nothing. All their expertise added up to nothing. All night long, nothing. Frustration can keep us from obeying Jesus. Our enemy, Satan, is a master. He's an expert at using our circumstances and other people to frustrate us so that he can, through that circumstance or through that other person, pull us away from God, his word, his people, and his praise. He is great at bringing up our circumstances. He's great at bringing up other people. He's great at bringing up our past in an effort to frustrate us so that we, when those times come and we know it's an obedience versus disobedience situation, if exhaustion doesn't work, he'll certainly try frustration to keep us from putting out into the deep and letting down our nets. A third obstacle we see here that we face as well is experience. Experience. Peter was a fisherman, and so Peter knew fishing. Peter knew that the best time to catch fish on the Sea of Galilee was in the evening time during the night when the fish would come from the deep waters in the sea up to the shallow waters to feed and it would be much easier for the fishermen to let down their nets and catch the fish when they were in the shallow water. Hence why they fished all night long. Peter also knew that uh, during the day that uh, when the sun was shining and during the day in the heat and humidity there, he knew that the fish would migrate down to the deeper waters of the Sea of Galilee, too deep for their nets to work. And so Peter understood after spending all night long uh, fishing and not catching anything, Peter understood as he was facing exhaustion and as he was facing frustration, Peter also understood that Jesus' command to put out into the deep in the day and let down the nets for a catch didn't make much sense from a fishing perspective. It didn't make much sense based on his experience as a fisherman uh, to, to make much fishing sense. We can understand how Peter would have been tempted to think at this point in time, this is not gonna work. This just isn't gonna work because this doesn't, makes sense based on my experience. And so we know and understand experience, and I should be more specific, bad experiences can keep us from obeying Jesus. Bad experiences can keep us from obeying Jesus. We know the word says serve others. We know the word says, encourage others. And yet 
we'll think at times to ourselves, you know what, I tried that once. I tried that serving thing once, and by five minutes into the class, the kids had me tied up to a chair, and nobody came to save me. And they were riding on me, and they were yelling and hollering, and it was the worst experience of my life, and I promise you, I will never go back in one of those classrooms. Those kids are frightening. We encourage, and we we seek to encourage, and when we encourage someone, we really step out of our comfort zone, and we go to encourage someone, hoping that that maybe they'll encourage us back, and and we, we encourage them, and we realize, well, they didn't even say thanks. Didn't even register. He just went on. Well, I'm not doing that again. That's for the birds. I'm not doing that. We know God's word says that we're to give ourselves away for others. We're to sacrificially follow the example of Jesus Christ and lay our life out for others. And yet, so many times we'll have a bad experience and we'll say, well, somebody hurt me. You know, I really put myself out for that person, but they hurt me by what they said or by what they did to me, and so I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get put in that position. Or the ultimate at times, which can happen, and it's unfortunate when it does, when someone is injured or hurt by something someone says or does at a church, and then they make the statement, well, I'm never going back to church again. I don't go to church anymore because years and years ago, somebody said something and hurt me, and somebody did something that hurt me. As if that is true of all churches. And you see, bad experiences can keep us from obeying Jesus. And at this point, Peter was faced with each of them. He had just had the bad experience of fishing all night. He didn't catch anything. He was frustrated because that was his livelihood. That's what he did. That's how he made his money. That's already earned his living. And so he brought, spent all night, spent all that time and effort, all that energy, and yet nothing nothing to show for it, nothing to take back uh, for his business, for his family, for others, the other fishermen. He was exhausted because he had worked all night. And the nets that we see here back in this first century were were nets, and we're talking huge nets that took multiple guys to to let down or to cast and to pull in. This wasn't a one-man job. And yet Peter overcame each of these obstacles and he obeyed God. And God wants you and me to overcome the obstacles in our way of obedience to him. Whatever those obstacles are, maybe one of these three obstacles, maybe multiple of these obstacles, or maybe it's a different obstacle. God wants us to understand that it is our duty as it was Peter's duty. It's our responsibility as it was Peter's responsibility to overcome those obstacles in the strength of Jesus so that we can continue walking in obedience to Jesus. God wants us to say, but at your word, I will obey you. Because you said so, God, I will do what you say. God, I know it may not make sense. And God, I know it, it goes against what I know from my experience. And God, I, I know I'm exhausted. God, I know I've had a long day, a frustrating day. But God, because of all those things and in spite of all those things, because you say so, God, because it is in your word, God, because you are asking me to do it, God, I will do what you say. I will obey you. 
And we see what happens when we obey the Lord. We see, and that's the beauty of this passage. We now get to look at the second half of this passage because there were some amazing results that happened when Jesus was there in the boat and Peter and the guys responded in obedience to him and the results were overwhelming uh, as Jesus worked in their lives. So let's look at these results, some of these amazing results that happened in your life and in my life. Happened here with Peter. With James and John, it happens with us as we walk in obedience to Jesus. Number one, we, re- we reap the blessings of God. We reap the blessings of God when we walk in obedience to him. In verse 6, when they did this, when they let down the nets, when they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. Look at this. We see this is an awesome picture obedience, when we walk in obedience to Jesus, we reap the blessings of Jesus. Understand, obedience is simply doing what God says when God says to do it. Obedience is doing what God says to do when God says to do it. And these guys, when they let down their nets, when Peter and the other men obeyed Jesus and let down their nets, they pulled up a boatload of fish. Actually, two boatloads of fish to be exact. They caught so many fish, their nets began to tear and their boats began to sink under the weight of the catch. You see, what we find here immediately through this step of obedience is God takes ordinary people like Peter and James and John and you and me, and he does the extraordinary through us because he is an extraordinary God. Amen? We know that Paul told us he is able, God is able to do immeasurably more above and beyond, exceedingly greater than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. This catch of fish that these guys brought in was clearly immeasurably more. It was clearly above and beyond. It was clearly exceedingly greater than anything they could have asked or imagined. There is no way that these guys, Peter specifically, could have imagined, could have guessed that this was what was going to happen when he let down the nets. After all that they had seen, there was no way that he could have imagined. And so often what we see is our enemy battles against us and he wants to keep us from obedience and he tries his best to keep us from obeying God and he tries to blind our minds to the blessings that we receive as we obey God because when we obey, the blessings start flowing into our lives in amazing ways. And those blessings look differently. They look differently, but they're always straight from Almighty God to you and me. You see, God blesses us generously and continuously and faithfully and liberally as we walk in obedience to him. But second thing we see is we, have a, we share a testimony for God. We are able to give a testimony for God. Not only do we read the blessings of God, another result is we share a testimony for God. Look at verse 7. So they signaled when they saw this catch, and it was so much that their nets began to tear, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Woo, man. Peter knew fishing, but Jesus knew catching. Jesus knew catching. And understand, that is the same principle for your life and my life today. Jesus knows. He knows for you and he knows for me. 
And Peter, upon seeing the catch, and as he was pulling them in with all their might and all the energy that they just had left, which would have more than likely been re-energized upon looking at the catch of fish and thinking, oh my goodness, we spent all this time, we didn't even ask Jesus, and now we got Jesus, and look what's happening. He then immediately called out to the other boat, their partners, James and John, we see in verse 10. We, they called out, and they came and brought their boat, and they helped. And so we've got two boats, and they're bringing in all these fish, which affect effectively doubled the blessings of God and doubled the testimony for God. Because now we have not just one boat with fishermen receiving the blessings of God and having a testimony for God. We got two. Jesus just doubled it. And so we understand this principle. And we talk about this often here within our church family, within our life teams, within our ministries. We talk about this because it's true and we see it once again highlighted here in this passage. God's work in us is always for us. Know that and understand that. God's work in you is always for you. God's work in me is always for me. But let's not stop short. Let's understand again and see this, another example in this teaching. God's work in us is for others around us. His work in us is for us. But understand his work in us is for others around us. You see, what God wants as he works in us is to draw us and others closer to Jesus. He wants to draw us and others closer to Jesus. The work is for us. The blessings are for us. The testimony is for us. But it's for those that God places around us. If that weren't the case, then when we receive God's gift of salvation, by his grace or faith in Christ Jesus, we would just go ahead and be promoted to paradise. Really not be much point staying here in this world, and yet we are here. Why? Because God wants to continue his work in us, making us more like Jesus, but he wants to do his work in us so that it can also flow out of us to those he places around us. And as we look at this, understand, notice, the only way to explain this catch is Jesus. The only way. The only way to explain this scene, the only way any of these fishermen could explain this is Jesus. They were in the deep, in the day, after not catching anything the night before. They were exhausted. They were more than likely frustrated because they hadn't caught anything. They had just dealt with that bad experience of not catching anything all night. And now... They have such a catch, probably greater than any catch they'd ever caught in a single point in time, that they've got nets that are about to tear. They've got two boats that are about to sink as they're trying to make their way back to shore. And the only way that they can describe this, the only thing they can say, as no doubt people were going to be waiting on the shore going, oh my, what is going on? How, how, how did that happen? Jesus, Jesus, it's him. If you go fishing, make sure he's in your boat. <laughs> it's him. He's better than any sonar finder we got on the market today. He just knows. And it works. The truth is, God wants us to live lives. God wants our marriages God wants our families. God wants our ministries. God wants our work life. 
He wants all these to be lived in such a way that the only explanation is Jesus. He wants others, as they draw near to us, what's going on? What's happening? How's that working? How'd you do that? It's Jesus. What do you mean? He wants us to be able to then give the testimony, to share the testimony. You see, the blessings of God are a testimony to others for God. And our obedience to God is a testimony to others for God. And we see this clearly in this passage, but we won't stop here. There's still more. We see that another result as we walk in obedience to God is we'll be convicted by God. Look at what we see in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, this meaning the, the catch, when he saw this, he fell at, his, at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. When Peter saw the catch of fish, when he saw Jesus do what only Jesus could do, he was immediately convicted at that point in time by the holiness of Jesus before him and his own personal sinfulness. And because of that conviction, Jesus immediately said, go away from me. Or Peter said, go away from me, Jesus. Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He understands now, and he's, he's changed from master to the Lord. He understands that, that this isn't just some man. That this is, this is Jesus. He, he, he's God in the flesh. He says, go away from me. I'm a sinful man, Lord. This is very similar, if you think back to the Old Testament, it's very similar to the response that Isaiah the prophet had. When Isaiah the prophet saw the Lord seated high on the throne, he said, woe is me, for I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And we see in our own lives, when, when we come face-to-face with the power of God at work in our lives, when we see Jesus face-to-face in our own lives, and when we see him do what only he can do in our lives, we are convicted real quickly by his greatness in our weakness, by his holiness in our sinfulness. We are convicted real quickly of our desperate need for the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus in our lives. And we see this at work with Simon Peter. The great news, the exciting news, the encouraging news is simply this. Jesus didn't go away from Peter when he said, go away. And Jesus won't go away from you and me either. You see, when we, like Peter, are carrying the weight of our sinfulness, when we are dealing with the weight of our sinfulness and the the guilt, the Holy Spirit guilt of that sin against God. And when we want to say, oh, get away, get away from me, Jesus, and we're, we're filled with shame and embarrassment because of the, the weight of the, the guilt of our sin and the, the weight of our sinfulness when the Holy Spirit's conviction weighs upon us and we are, are tempted to say, get away from me, Jesus, because I'm sinful. Get away. We know and understand that that's not what Jesus does. You see, what Jesus does, he convicts us and he draws us near and closer and closer to him. When that sin happens in our lives, Jesus doesn't turn away from us and leave us. No, he convicts us to draw us closer. Why? Because he wants to forgive us. He wants to fellowship with us. He wants to use us again in his work. 
And what a glorious truth that is. And then we see right after this, the next result is we are amazed by God. Not only are we convicted by God, but we're amazed by God. Look at verse 9. For he, Peter, and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they took. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Peter, James, and John were amazed at the catch of fish. Peter, James, and John were amazed that they almost sank two boats because of the weight of the fish. Peter and James and John were blown away by Jesus. Peter, James, and John were in awe and wonder of Jesus. Peter, James, and John were in awe of Jesus' power and his presence and his authority in this great catch. And as we obey God, we get to see God do what only he can do. As we obey God, we too will be amazed by God. And you just think about it in your own life. The times when you've walked in obedience to God. Right now, as you're walking in obedience to God, you can take an inventory real quickly, even right now, and you will be amazed very quickly at the blessings that God is pouring into your life. As we obey God, we're amazed by God. We're amazed at how God answers our prayers, how God changes our lives, how God heals our hurts, how God meets our needs, how God showers us with his blessings. We're amazed at how God does his work in us, through us, and around us, which is always for his glory, others' good, and our gain. We're amazed. And what God is doing in us and around us and through us, which only, sends, only produces in us a greater desire to give a testimony, to give him praise, to worship him, to tell others about him. We see the fifth result as we continue here in verse 10. The fifth result, as we walk in obedience to Jesus, we are reminded of our purpose. We're reminded of our purpose from God. He's told Peter, don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon Peter. From now on, you will be catching people. This is awesome. He said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Jesus calmed any remaining fear or concern that Peter may have had by telling Peter, don't be afraid. Up to this point in time in Peter's life, he had spent his whole life catching fish. Jesus said, from this point forward, Peter, you're going to be catching people. This word catching is in the present tense, which meant that this is going to be your daily new purpose, Peter. Your purpose from now on is no longer going to be to catch fish, Peter. Your daily purpose, your step-by-step, day-by-day purpose in life will be catching people from this point forward. Catching literally means catching alive as hunters and fishermen do. Catching alive as hunters and fishermen do their prey. And so what Jesus was telling Peter is your new purpose in life is you will be catching people. You will be winning people for Jesus. You will be winning people and sharing with others the good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our purpose is the same purpose that Peter had his purpose. It's our purpose as well today. Our purpose is to catch people for Jesus. Our purpose is to win people to Jesus. Our purpose is to go and make disciples of all nations. Our purpose is to join God in his work of changing lives for eternity. Our purpose is to make Jesus famous by telling everybody we know about Jesus. Amen. That's our purpose. It's our purpose. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of people of men, women, boys, and girls. That's our purpose. And we must not miss out and get distracted or discouraged so that we walk away from our purpose. Our purpose here on this earth as followers of Jesus Christ is to catch people for Jesus. It's to win people to the Lord. It's to point them to Jesus, to make Jesus famous and to help them 
grow in their faith and trust in Jesus. And then we, we see as well uh, the sixth result. We see in verse 11, when we obey God, we are energized to walk by faith in God. Verse 11, then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. They brought the boats to land. They left everything, and they followed Jesus. Now understand real quickly, Peter, James, and John, they left their boats. They left the large amount of money that they would have earned from the huge catch of fish, which would have been lucrative. They left their businesses. They left their families. And they followed Jesus immediately. Their obedience to Jesus energized their faith in Jesus. The minute they let down those nets, and they started to see, they knew there was nothing or no one more worthy of their time. They knew there was nothing better for them to do. Stay close to Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm not letting him out of my sight. I'm following. I'm getting these boats in and I'm going. And it's our obedience to Jesus that that energizes our faith in Jesus. So we walk in obedience as we overcome those obstacles and we we see him at work in our lives. It energizes us to, to continue taking steps of faith in Jesus. Peter said, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. And everything changed from that point forward in his life. God wants us to respond in obedience like Peter. He wants us to say, because you said so, I'll obey. God, because your word says so, I'll do what you say. Because your word says, confess my sins, I will confess my sins, God. Because your word says, encourage, I will encourage, God. Because your word says, forgive, I will forgive, God. Because your word says, give, I will give, God. Because your word says, love others, I will love others, God. Because your word says, meet others' needs, I will meet others' needs, God. Because your word says, pray, I will pray, God. Because your word says, serve others, I will serve others, God. Because your word says, trust in me. God, I will trust in you. Because your word says, receive my gift of salvation. By your faith in Jesus Christ, God, I will receive your gift of salvation. By my faith in Jesus Christ, God, because your word says to be baptized by immersion and obedience to my son, Jesus Christ, I will be baptized by immersion and obedience to your son, my Savior, Jesus Christ. God, because your word says, obey, I will. 
obey. I will do what you say. Because you said so. I will follow you. Yes, you're balanced.